the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we think of Christian warfare, we in America think of battling demons, praying over city blocks, and exorcisms. Well, that can make for great novels, but the biblical perspective is much different, as we'll see next. Hi there, and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. Today we continue our series in 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, in a message called Christian Warfare. Warfare, as the Bible lays it out for us, at least here in the New Testament, in the passage we have before us, is really quite personal. It's all about holding on to our faith. And what that means. Join us for a serious look at Christian warfare. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner and today's Abounding Grace. This war is not just a war between human beings who disagree with one another. It is far more than a racial war. It is far more than a political war. This war is a struggle, hand-to-hand combat that is, just, is not just against weak and frail and dependent flesh and blood, but it is a war between those who have been empowered by God and the rulers and the powers and the world forces of darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And all of those words are put together to impress you with the fact that this war is between the church and Satan. If you believe the Bible... You have to believe in Satan. If you believe in Jesus, you have to believe in Satan. Satan is not just a personification of evil, as some people try to say. He is a personal, living, intelligent power who is stronger than you and I. And Paul is saying in this battle, you're not fighting people, you're not fighting equals. You're not fighting people who have the same strength you have. You are fighting against a power that is greater than you are and who can call to his side a legion of demons, divisions of demons, and all of their power. And this satanic force takes over institutions, and it takes over people. And sometimes you have to fight against institutions in a society that are instruments of Satan. And sometimes you have to stand against institutions and fight against people who are dupes of the devil. But understand, the devil is real. But he's not stronger than God. Christ defeated him on the cross. But remember, he can still bite you. So Paul is saying, don't take for granted that because Satan was destroyed by Christ on Calvary, that he is not a threat to you at all. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So understand 
that in this battle that we are fighting, it does involve racism. It does involve social justice warriors. It does involve critical culture theory. It does involve socialism and communism and liberalism and materialism and naturalism. It does include book publishing companies. It does include political powers. And they have a lot more people and a lot more money than we do. And they are empowered by Satan himself, who is far stronger than you and I are. So don't get cocky, my friends. Don't say, well, I'm a Christian and I can whip these guys. I've seen better people than any of us in this room get whipped badly even by these guys when they go to battle without any humility, thinking that they have strength to fight and overcome these people by themselves. So he says, this war is serious. It is constant. It is a struggle, not simply against people who are the same as we are, but people who are empowered by Satan himself. And if you are able to stand in your position and keep marching forward, you have got to be constantly dependent upon the powers of God in your life. Because the only thing more powerful than satanic power in this world is the power of Almighty God himself. And what is the target? What are we aiming at in all of these efforts of bringing down fortresses and destroying ideas, etc.? What are we aiming at? Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The King James Version says to stand against the devices of the devil. To stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Let me take a moment just to recommend to you two books on Satan and his strategies. Most books written on Satan are today are satanic. But these two are wonderful. The first one is by Thomas Brooks, who really knew how to turn a phrase. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but it's all magnificent. He was an early English Puritan. <clears throat> and the title of his book is Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. It's just a little paperback book. It's not very long at all, and it is the best book on this subject. The other book is by another Puritan named Gurnall called The Christian's Complete Armor. And what are the strategies of the devil? Well, he's got a lot because he's much smarter than we are. He has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. But remember what all of his devices add up to. All of the strategies are aimed at breaking your faith, causing you to doubt the word of God, causing you to doubt Christ, causing you to doubt yourself in Christ. If he can break that faith so that you question it even a little bit, and you become fearful of standing up against the enemy, you are defeated. So let's talk about three particular devices of Satan before we close. Three tricks of Satan's trade. Three strategies that he uses most against us, and that is what we are to be seeking to refute. These are the fiery missiles that he shoots at us, that we're seeking 
to quench. Here they are. Deception, temptation, and accusation. Those are the three most powerful weapons that Satan uses against us. They work in a lot of people's lives. He is the deceiver. That's why we read the text in 2 Corinthians 11 about Satan sometimes appearing as an angel of light to fool you, to trick you into believing that what he says is true or makes sense, and to trick you into not believing the word of God, to simply deceive you in some way. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. Satan came up to Eve and said, go ahead and eat of the fruit. It's not going to kill you. She said, but God said it would. And Satan answered in so many words, are you sure he wasn't just trying to keep you from being as smart as he is? Come on, Eve. God is being deceitful. So the very first trick was to get Satan to doubt the living God. Because if he can get you to doubt God's word saying, well, yeah, you know, it's just old-fashioned. Or, you know, it's out of date. Or that certainly can't be true, or that's way too harsh, or that's not just, or that's not loving. He's got you. If he can deceive you into believing something that is false, he's got you. Temptation. He will throw things in your past to try to invert your attention, to try and make you stumble. Now, not all temptations come from Satan. Some just come from our own wicked hearts. But Satan is good at putting temptations on our path to try and show us, slow us down from our kingdom work and distract us, make us stumble. You know, that's what he tried to do with Jesus when Jesus and Satan battled it out for 40 days. Satan said, Jesus, just bow down to me just this once and I'll give you all the nations of the world. Of course, that was a lie. Jesus already had all the nations of the world. So what was Satan trying to do in his temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? He was trying to keep Jesus off the cross. Because he knew if Jesus goes to the cross, I am beaten. I've got to get him to distrust his God, to commit his sin and keep him off that cross. And that is what he does in our lives. He puts stumbling blocks on our paths, people to tempt us, ideas that tempt us, financial situations that tempt us. Oh, if I can just buy this person off, if I can just find out what this person's price is, I'll pay it every time and he'll do what I want him to do. So understand the only way you can resist the temptations of Satan, which are strong, is by your Two divinely empowered weapons, faith in the word of God and sincere and earnest prayer. And then the third strategy of Satan. There is deception, temptation, and accusation. If Satan can make you lose your joy, if he can bring things into your life that you just can't explain, that are overwhelmingly burdensome, that make you depressed, that, just, that you just can't seem to get over, he's got you. What is he called after all? The accuser of the brethren. If he can make you feel guilty, 
Make you lose a sense of direction and purpose and joy. Make accusations. You can't do this. It's too big for you to handle. Then you will be taken off the battlefield. You've got to be able to handle and answer all of his accusations. So our basic tool is to use the divinely empowered weapons we have to answer deception, accusations, and temptations that Satan plants in our paths. Now one more text. Let's go back to our original text in 1 Timothy and let's read verses 18 through 20 again. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. So Paul observes here, and in another place, when Timothy was ordained by Presbytery and they laid hands upon his head, supernatural prophecies were made about him, just like they were made about Paul on his way to Damascus. Paul went to a man's house, and this man... Ananias prophesied to Paul about what Paul was going to do, where he was going to go, how he was going to suffer, and what the message was that, that he was going to reveal. That was all divinely revealed in prophecy. We don't have any divinely real, revealed prophecy any longer other than those revealed already in Holy Scripture because we don't need them anymore. So Paul is saying to Timothy, do you remember when you were ordained by Presbytery? There were prophets that actually spoke the word of God concerning you, calling you into the ministry and telling what you would suffer and what you would preach. As you fight this battle, think about these things. Because everyone is going to try to shut your mouth. Everyone is going to try and dull your sword. So when you are out there and you're fighting these battles and you must preach the truth and you know they want to dull your sword and you are ready to throw in the towel, remember these prophecies. Remember your calling and remember that God has set you aside for his purpose. Then Paul says this, that you may fight the good fight, war the good war. Bloody hand-to-hand combat, keeping faith and a good conscience. Those are the two indispensable characteristics of a faithful soldier of Christ that will never be destroyed on a battlefield. Beloved, do you want to be effective serving the Lord? All right, you cling to and hold tight to the faith. The faith once delivered to the saints, the faith of the real religion, contained in Holy Scripture. Don't lose your grasp on that. Don't neglect it. Don't put your Bible on the side and just read it every now and then. Study the Bible. Read good books about the Bible. Meditate on God's Word. Get a hold of the Bible and let it get a hold of you. Because it will be easy for you to die on the battlefield. If you don't cling to that sword in your hand, hold tight. It's not going to break. No one will ever dull it. Just cling to it. You hold on to that sword. 
Even if you are the only one in the room holding on to it. Even if you are the only one in the room standing for the faith. Hold fast to that sword. And a good conscience. That is not only believe the faith that is written in scripture. But live by it. So that your conscience is pure. And your conscience is educated by the word of God. And your conscience is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when you study the law of God and you do something that is contrary to it. And your conscience smites you. Oh, ask for forgiveness and repent of it. And don't harden your conscience and your heart. And when you do something that is right and your conscience congratulates you for it. Keep in that direction. Without a clear conscience, you will get nowhere. Because do you know what you have if you don't have a clear conscience? You are ridden with guilt. And one of the most powerful weapons of the enemy is to manipulate someone who feels guilty about something. Why is it, do you think, that a lot of Americans vote for all those self-destructive welfare programs for people who are not white? Why do you think they feel guilty about being white and do whatever the liberals tell them to do? They feel guilty about slavery. They feel guilty about what their forefathers did and they don't want to do. They don't know what to do with all that guilt. And it is then manipulated by the press and by education. So you've got good people who side with the Marxist BLM and say, well, I'm for reparations. We shouldn't have mistreated those slaves in the past. And of course, we shouldn't have mistreated them or anyone else. They say we shouldn't have mistreated those people. So I'm going to vote for whoever the Democrat will tell me to vote for. I've got to purge my conscience of this guilt. Someone who has a guilty conscience can be easily manipulated by anyone. So what do you do with a guilty conscience? You cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my guilt. Cleanse my conscience of its guilt. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb. Have mercy upon me. I'm guilty of sin after sin. Wash away my sins. I'm even far worse than the liberals even think I am. I surrender my conscience. Lord, wash it clean from all the guilt. Lift the burden That has been weighing me down. Set me free from this guilt. And guess what happens? No one can manipulate you after that. No one. They can come to you and say all kinds of terrible things about you being white. Are you asking God's forgiveness for being white, my friends? Oh, I certainly hope not. As a white man, I've done a lot of bad things. Just as any person of color has ever done. But guess what? God made me white. And God made others black and brown and whatever color. So we need to thank him for it. But neither your problem nor my problem is because of the color of our skin. It is because of the nature of our hearts. You will be scared off the battlefield after the first shot if you do not go into battle with a clear conscience, brethren. You will not get anywhere if you are not clinging tightly to the sword. 
You must not let anyone jerk it out of your hands. You realize that is all that you have. And I'm guilty of all kinds of sins, but Jesus washed them all away. So I will face the enemy down. And I will tell you that you are wrong in what you believe because of these reasons. And Jesus Christ can forgive you of all your guilt. If you repent of your sins and come to him. So if you're going to fight the good fight, you have to hold strongly to your faith and keep a good conscience. Because there are some members of the church that thought they could fight this fight. But they were rejected and suffered shipwreck in regards to their faith. Some have thought they were good Christians. But they had a spiritual shipwreck because they failed to cling to their faith. They thought they could just sit back in their easy chairs and not fight back against evil in life. Paul actually mentions two such people. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander. Oh boy, they had to be embarrassed. Can you imagine? Throughout the rest of history of the world, everyone knows about these two guys. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who am I delivered over to Satan. Now, I'm sure that would be a terrible thing. Paul says these men were turncoats. They laid down their sword. They didn't have clear consciences. They had everyone thinking they were Christians, but in reality, they were fighting against the true faith and the church. So Paul says, I delivered them over to Satan. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, and I'm not so sure I even want to know what that really means. It's used also in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And it would be a terrible thing to be excluded or excommunicated from the circle of safety, the church. And then put into the realm where Satan torments. He says, I am delivering these two men to Satan. But this was for a positive reason, my friends. He's not saying these two men have sold us out. They've been turncoats and I'm turning them over to Satan so that they will go to hell when they die. That is not what he says. He says, among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I have delivered over to Satan so that they will not be that so that they will be taught or disciplined not to blaspheme. He said, I'm doing this to lead them to repentance. Satan will make life miserable for them because they are outside the circle of safety. And I am praying that in all of the miserable things and in all of the painful things they will experience in this life, the Holy Spirit will use that as discipline so they will not blaspheme to bring them back into the circle of safety. That is the way we pray for traitors in the Christian church that betray Christ. And betray his word. And betray his church and betray you. You say, Lord, these men have sold us out. They have betrayed us. And they have betrayed you. And now with the authority of the elders, we are excommunicating them. We are turning them over to Satan with the prayer that you, Lord, will teach them not to blaspheme any longer. And they will come back home. So... Here we are in this war. It is very real. There are a lot of Christians that will be casualties in this war. 
There will be a lot of fake Christians who will be fatalities in this war. You may get wounded more than once. You are going to be betrayed. You will be slandered. Satan will, of course, try to deceive you, tempt you, and accuse you. And your and my only hope is to stand in our position in the strength of God. And if we do, no one will be able to shake us loose or keep us from marching forward until we win the field. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.